You cannot supply me with discipline because discipline is about my choice. Discipline is about my purpose. Discipline is about my standard. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Well, 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 here we are at the end of September, three months left until 2022. I hope you enjoy this episode. Today, my guest is Brian Kite, also goes by BK. He is on a mission to put more discipline into your life. He assures me this doesn't mean waking up every morning at 4.30 a.m. unless you really want to. Brian is the founder and author of Daily Discipline, a free daily email that you can get from his website. He is also the host of a podcast called Daily Discipline. Brian has worked with hundreds of businesses and sports teams and training leaders, implementing cultural building strategies and teaching simple systems that unlock winning behaviors. Today, we are going to dive into the discipline it takes and living a healthy lifestyle. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please rate and review my show and enjoy the holiday period, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Here we go. How are you this Friday morning? I'm doing awesome. It is, uh, it's a gorgeous day here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And my wife and kids just took off to the park. They said, Hey, can you come? I said, no, I said, I, I got to sit down and have this conversation with Tom and the audience. We're going to, we're going to dive in. So <laughs> they are out getting that vitamin D out at the park and getting after it. My son, daughter, and wife, and, um, really looking forward to this conversation today. Me too. Is, is it cool over there today? It is not cool over here today. It is cranking up we're going to be north of 90 today. I'm not sure where the humidity yeah. is going to be, but it's the south, and I'm going to guess it's going to be up there. Yeah. I get up about 6, 6.30 and have my morning coffee on the patio and do my morning decompress prayer time and grounding mm -hmm. and gratitude journaling. And I was sitting out there, and I'm like, this is a beautiful morning. But as I, before the show, I was out there, and I was like, oh, man, it's going to get hot and sticky today. Anyway... Before we dive into discipline and what it takes to live a healthy lifestyle, who is BK and what was the catalyst into your world of this many hats, actually? Mm -hmm. Keynote speaker, coaching, advisor, motivational speaker. And also you have a great daily newsletter called The Daily Discipline that comes to my email every morning. And I really enjoy that. I have yet to listen to your podcast. I just joined but I'm looking forward to listening to the Daily Discipline podcast. Yeah. So what was your motivation or, or your catalyst into this world? Well, I mean, I can point to any number of external factors, environmental factors that teed me up amazingly, right? Like a lot of people, my parents were huge for me. Maybe not like a lot of people. My parents were divorced from the time I was a year old. And they were just super different people. My dad was a pastor, structure, a lot of the traditional discipline stuff that we've learned growing up and really good, right? My dad gave me really great structure, really high standards, really key principles. And most importantly, he gave me a ton of love. 
my relationship with my dad was massive for me, is massive for me. My mom was on the opposite end of the spectrum from a style and a structure perspective, but she gave me massive love as well. Where my dad was structure, my mom was freedom. Where my dad was sort of principles, for him, it was a lot like religion-based principles. Where my mom, it's real life, being a good person-based principles, right? And my mom taught me sort of the ways of the world, if you will. And so those external factors, massive, and obviously bouncing back and forth between two parents from divorce was massively shaping for me. And maybe different than a lot of people, I'm so grateful for the way I grew up like that. And of course, there's pain and difficulty and challenges and all that stuff. So there's that. Another big external factors, sports were huge for me. I played football was my sport. I played college football. I weigh less now than when I did when I played. I'm 5'9". I think my heaviest I ever played was like 180. But started for four years and had a blast. And obviously, sports taught me how to have that controlled energy, that discipline. And I think one of the cool things about sports is it's personal discipline, but especially for team sports, it's personal discipline in relationship to other people, which is a really fun, cool thing. It's, I think, why people in sports can thrive in the business world a lot of times, maybe quicker or better. It's why a lot of people like, people with sports backgrounds is people with sports backgrounds know how to manage themselves in relationship to other people. And without a sports background, just you just get a little different experience. For me, my own personal story and catalyst was I am not naturally disciplined at all. And for me, that's fun because if you were to look at me and watch my life at any stage, especially if you knew me when I was growing up and young, nobody looked at me and says, boy, that kid's got discipline and through that discipline, he's going to go far. Not one of my teachers, not one of my, nobody said that. Now they might've said, Hey, he's got personality or Hey, he's got energy or Hey, he's got whatever. Like they got, I have other stuff, but nobody said discipline in high school or in school growing up. I was smart, but does this make sense? I was smart enough that I never had to work hard. And I'm self-aware of that. Like I, I never had to work hard in high school. I got like almost a 4.0, 3, point whatever, 3.9, 3.85, whatever it was in high school. And I never really worked hard. And when I got to college, playing college football, I was selectively disciplined. I was really disciplined in the weight room, really disciplined in the, on the practice field, really disciplined in game time and absolutely disinterested academically. And basically applied none of the discipline that I applied in football to athletics. And part of it was just what you would expect from an 18 to 22 year old, but also part of it was strategically chosen for me. I never cared about a grade ever. At no point in my life did the difference between an A or a C. I mean, it, it didn't mean anything to me. And so I never saw a connection between getting good grades and something I valued in life. And there was this idea that if you got good grades, you get better jobs, whatever. But that connection never, it just never meant anything to me. Like I never really had it. And so it wasn't until after I got out of college that seeing the connection between my work and something that I valued other than sports, right? Making money, building a business or a brand, closing a sale, something that directly added value to my life that meant something to me. It wasn't until then that I looked at discipline and said, oh, that is everything. If I have that, if I can build that, if I can do that, anything is is attainable to me, right? The smallest little thing, right? Like I can have a little extra freedom in my life that somebody else can't. I can have more options in my life that somebody else doesn't. I can go build something amazing that somebody else just can't or didn't or won't. And so it was after college that I saw, okay, 
I've got all these talents. I've got whatever, like we all do, right? We all have the things that we have. And I had the, I had the self-awareness outside of sports that what unlocked my talents was discipline. What would prevent me from ever realizing my talents would be a lack of discipline. And I committed myself, I committed my life to saying, all right, that's a skill I need to train into myself. And so for me, discipline is a 100% learned skill. It is absolutely learned skill. If you were to feel sort of like my internal energy, it's not what most people think of as discipline. I've actually had to learn what discipline really is. And I think that's what makes me effective at teaching it is because it's not something I've done naturally throughout my life, right? I've actually built the structure for what it really means, how it really works. And then how do we teach it to people who don't wake up with that Navy SEAL 4am, do what you're told, who don't have that wiring? Look, because if you already have that, I don't know, you're, you're already doing all of this super hard stuff. Frankly, those people might need to, you know, relax a little bit more, right? And, and learn some of the, learn some of the, the full spectrum, right? Whereas I, I want to teach discipline to people who aren't that Navy SEAL kind of stuff. Somebody who is certainly can learn some things, but that's where it began for me. A couple external pieces, and then that internal self awareness and decision. Nice, nice. It's interesting because discipline is not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And let's get real for a minute. You and I both know it takes a lot of discipline. You're a healthy person. I've changed my lifestyle. So it takes a lot of discipline to live a healthy lifestyle and maintain your body in such a way it stays free of health issues and disease and weight gain. Mm -hmm. And we are coming out of a pandemic of COVID that we've learned a lot through this time. We've learned that most of the people that got affected the hardest by the weight gain and the diseases, the COVID virus itself, were people that were type 2 diabetes and obese. And the people that went into it healthy came out of it with some weight gain or the COVID-15 or 18, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. But also, let's be honest, mental health is not separate from physical health. No. They go hand in hand. Most people who are disciplined and motivated are healthy internally and physically, not to mention the brain and gut connection. If your gut's disrupt, your brain's not going to be positive. You're going to have sleep issues. You're going to have hormone issues. So there's a lot going on. I really want to dive into this today because there's a lot to talk about. And one thing, there's a quote, I read this a couple of weeks ago by Maxwell Maltz, hmm. the ability to discipline yourself to delay gratification in the short term in order to enjoy greater rewards in the long term is the indispensable prerequisite for success. So we, there's a lot of short term fixes for weight loss and there's a lot of short term fixes for health. There's pills. Every time you turn on the TV, there's a commercial for quick weight loss. You go to the magazine rack. There's a thing for quick weight loss, but I know from my journey that there's no quick fix. It takes time and discipline. So that's why I was really happy when they reached out to me to have you on my show. So let's dive in. The first thing we need to start with, because I really love this and I've yet to sit down and figure it out, is this, and it really is the equation for all of life, is E plus R equals O. Yeah. So let's explain this for the listeners, because I think this is key for living healthy. I mean, E plus R equals O is the building block of life. E plus R equals O is the way life works. Our job is to get good at it. Here's what it is. 
event plus response equals outcome. We just simplify it into E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. You can just ask yourself as you're listening, what's the only piece of that equation that you control? Event plus response equals outcome. And we intuitively know that the only thing that we control is our response. I think we have awareness of this, but I think we can get detached from it a little bit. We know that what we control is our response. What we struggle with sometimes is acknowledging, accepting, and living in alignment with the fact that we don't control events and we don't control outcomes. That's hard for people emotionally. I got all these books behind me here, a lot of old books up here, which is what I mostly read. And for all of recorded history, we've been trying to, I I say the collective we, right? Humanity. We've been trying to get human beings to understand what they control and what they don't, to stop expending and wasting energy on things that they do not control and help human beings be better at controlling the things in their control that make a difference for the quality of their life, quality of their relationships, quality of whatever it is that they want to improve. E plus R equals O is a simple tool for that. And so what I teach with E plus R equals O, which is by far the, the number one training tool that we use with individuals, with teams, with companies. And it's by far the number one tool that I use for my own health. And whether that be consumption, whether that be workouts, physical, the, the actual, you know, my actual body, whether that be mental, whether that be emotional, all of that relational, but there's three components to it. There's a mindset that is just literally just the way that you frame the world through that framework, through that equation. Number two is the skill. That is how good am I at controlling my response to target specific outcomes, given the circumstances that I have and I'm in. And then the third is the speed at which I can process, make decisions and act with really high skill. So you think about it, three things with E plus R equals O, my mindset, my skill, and the speed that I can actually process and decide. The first piece is this, and this is mindset decoupled from skill for a second. The mindset is the full and total acceptance of what is in your control and what is not. And then recognizing number one, you don't control events some of them you can influence, but you can't control. So for example, I can't control you at all, but I could influence you. Mm -hmm. The difference between being able to control you and influence you is the Grand Canyon. There's a Grand Canyon difference between controlling and influencing something. And then I'm looking outside. We're talking about the weather this morning. I have zero control I also have zero influence over the weather. So every event in my life, whether that scales from a person, a context, a diagnosis, my dad has stage four prostate cancer, got diagnosed last April and right when COVID broke out. Do we have some influence over that? Yes. How much? Not a ton, not at stage four, right? So not a ton. So everything from an event perspective in our lives scales from, first of all, all of them, no control. And then after that recognition, some of them we have influence over, some of them we have none, and it has a little scale. That's number one. So first, the mindset is, like, are we looking at the world that way? Are we looking at the world through the lens of, I do not control my circumstances? Or are we looking at the world through the lens of, I'm trying to control my circumstances. I'm trying to control other people. I'm trying to control events. I'm trying to control my environment. I'm trying to control my exposure to this. I'm trying to control my exposure to that. Am I somebody who is a victim of my circumstances 
am I somebody who is overly dependent on the environment around me being good in order for me to make good decisions, which is a lot of people's issue is they're overly dependent on being in good environments for them to be okay. And that's a very fragile and a very weak position. And I don't say weak as in like a judgment or a criticism of people. I mean it in the true sense, right? It's like, if I'm putting something on a foundation, it's really important for me to know whether that foundation is strong, stable, secure, or whether that foundation is weak, fragile, and lacks structural integrity. Same thing for our mindset and our view of the world. I need to know for myself, if my mindset for view in the world has a weakness in it and has fragility in it, I need to know that because it will break. And if I don't know that, I will build my life on something that is destined to crash. And when we're overly dependent on our environment, when we're overly dependent on good circumstances, when we are overly dependent on routine, anything, we're really fragile. So we need to build ourselves mentally to view the world of my circumstances do not dictate my outcomes. There's something between my circumstances and my results, and that's me. So that's number one. Number two is I don't control outcomes. And this is hard for people. I can create outcomes, but I can't control them. And again, it's a grand canyon of difference. Where do great outcomes come from? Great outcomes, whatever you want to target, right? Feeling confident, weight loss, strength gain, health, lowering my anxiety, whatever it would be, right? I don't control those things. If I'm good enough, I can create them, but I can't control them because I can do everything right and still have some kind of a negative outcome because the body is a really complex machine. It's a really complex system and a lot of stuff goes on. So recognizing that if I can engage in skillful responses, which is what I control, I am always in control of me and there is no one else in control of me. I am the only one in control of me. Every thought, every decision, every emotion, every feeling, every action came from a source. And that source is me. It's not you. It's not my parents. It's not my past. It's me. Does my past influence me? For sure. Does it control me? Absolutely not. Does my past make it harder for me to do certain things? Yeah, sometimes. But who's in charge and who's responsible and at the controls for dealing with and processing my past and working through it if it has some pain in it? Me. Who's in charge of trying to create the outcomes I want? Me. If I control the outcomes that I can produce, here's the thing, Tom, and look, you're in the same spot. If you controlled outcomes, wouldn't some things of your life look different? Absolutely. And when we start asking ourselves, well, why don't they look different? If we say I control outcomes, well, then my my question for anybody is, well, then what are you waiting for? Go down to the pediatric cancer ward and go control outcomes for those kids in the hospital rooms. Go control the outcome. Right? Look at the relationship in your life that's not in a great place. If you control the outcome, make that person be the person that you believe they should be for you. Make them, control it. And real quick, you realize, oh, I, I don't <laughs> control outcomes. So the mindset first is this, the issue for a lot of people in their health, and I'm really big on self-awareness without self-judgment. One of the reasons people avoid self-awareness is they bring too much self-judgment into their self-awareness. I'm a huge believer in unflinching realism combined with relentless optimism. We cannot afford to lose touch with reality and realism. We also can't afford to lose touch with optimism. I'm a huge fan of looking the truth, truth with love. Let's look at it right in the face. Let's not judge ourselves. And then let's figure out, put our feet on solid ground and then optimistically figure out where we want to go from here. Here's the truth side of this. Here's the truth with love. A lot of people's skill and health journeys trying to go make good decisions 
doesn't have a really good chance of success because their lens of the world is broken. Hmm. They are looking at their circumstances and allowing circumstances to dictate to them. They are believing that they can control outcomes and they are trying to control things so far beyond their control that they have no energy, intention, willpower left for the one thing that they do control. And they're basically out of juice. They catch too much energy from the outside rather than creating their energy from the inside. And so E plus R equals O just gives you, me, right? Everybody a really simple structure to say, this is not in my control. This is in my control. And so mentally looking at the lens, I don't control the ads I see on TV. I do control whether I turn that TV on. Mm. I don't control the way that my family eats. I do control the way I eat. I don't control the meals that my spouse makes. I do control how I communicate what meals I would like to eat. And I do control whether or not I eat the meals that my spouse makes, if they're not the kind of meals that are serving me in my spot. I don't control whether anybody else in my life is going on the health journey. I do control whether I go on the health journey. So again, some people are trying to go on a health journey and they're in a home where nobody else wants to do that. That's hard. Very hard. It's way harder than if everybody's doing it together. Full acknowledgement, okay? But you don't control them. So just that right there, people are, a lot of people are trying to get to the skill side of this, but man, their mindset and lens of the world is so broken. They have no shot at sustaining, or frankly, sometimes even implementing the skill. And so my job is help people move down the critical path. When you get your mind right, now all of a sudden you put yourself on an amazing, strong foundation and platform to go execute skill. And then eventually you get better at making those decisions and acting on them faster. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's that E that's what E plus R equals O is. It's the mindset, it's the skill, and then it's the speed of deciding and acting in alignment with discipline and the things that we want. And that's the ticket, right? Like we, if we weren't talking health today, if we were talking like sales, it's the same thing, right? It's the same thing, right? I I teach that universal skill, but it applies to everything. Correct. Going to the grocery store, backing out of your driveway. It it literally scales from handling a social media post that you don't like, or that you do like all the way up to, you get a call that somebody you love has stage four terminal cancer. Right. I mean, it, it scales to everything in between. And that's why I love the tool because I'm a huge believer in simplicity and systems, Tom. So I'm not naturally process oriented, but I've learned the value of structure and systems. I don't like processes, point A to point B kind of thing, right? I don't like that rigidity. I do like systems. I like the flexibility of being able to apply a tool in a lot of places and get good at one tool and then go deploy it in a lot of places. But that requires simplicity. And when you hear E plus R equals O, the big value of it is so simple. It forces you to decide, do you or do you not control this? Yes or no? I don't want to have the complex conversation with you. Do you or do you not control this? If you don't control it, then stop giving it your attention. It's yes or no. It's black or white. We've got to get out of the weeds here. And so here's what, check check this out. This is really cool, right? Here's a list. When you think about simple, like keep it simple. Number one, and you know, we talked about this a little bit before the show started, but this is super practical for people. And if you're in a spot where you can write some notes down, this would be really helpful to write down. If you're driving, don't do that. If you're on the treadmill, you might have to get off as well. Safety first. So watch what simplicity does. Simplicity forces you to act. When it's simple, it's do or don't. So for example, you could put a complex eating plan together 
Or you could say I'm taking sugar out of my diet. Right. I could measure my macros and count my calories, or I could take sugar out of my diet. Why don't more people just take sugar out of their diet? Because they would have to act on it. Right. And they don't want to do that. So to save themselves from having to act on it, they go to a more complex plan that is a struggle to execute. Simple forces you to act. Number two, simplicity gives you speed. If I say I'm taking sugar out of my diet, when do I start? Not only do I act, but when do I start? Now. Go. The next piece of food I eat today, immediately, fast, go. And again, it's like, oh, well, you mean I got to start now? Oh, okay. Or like, hey, do 100 burpees now. When? Right now, go. You know, like, like, oh, it's the speed. I know I want more prep, plan, time, put more distance, right? Number three is simplicity steals our excuses. This is so beautiful and elegant. When it's simple, there is no justifiable reason for not doing it. Why is it that most people avoid the simple answers? Number one, they don't want to do the hard work. Number two, what do they tell themselves? And you already know the answer. Well, if it was that simple, then... Right. Everybody would do it. But here's the thing, Tom. Everyone is saying that in their head. Everyone is saying, if it was that simple, well, then everybody would do it. Think about financial advice. What's the simplest possible way to think about managing personal finances? Spend less than you make. And they're like, well, I've heard that before. I don't care if you've heard it. Do you do it? Because here's the thing. 99% of people don't. And when you say it to them, they say, well, if it was that simple, everybody would be rich. No, that's what everybody says. Spend less than you make. So simple forces you to act. It gives you speed. You go now and it steals all your excuses. When it's complex, I have a lot of excuses. If I have to measure my food and count my calories and look at the macros and read the label, I've got all these built-in excuses as to why it didn't work. Right. Right. If I have to like have an exact measurement, I've got all the reasons as to why this, the environment I was in didn't have the food that I wanted. I got all these built-in reasons. And so I have tons of excuses available to me, like little escape hatches, but when it's simple, no sugar, when it's simple, no alcohol, when it's simple, no eating until noon, when it's simple, 48 hour fast, it is black and white. Yes or no go. And it pushes you into the work. Number four, one of my favorites is when it's simple, it blocks out the noise. We live in a world that is, and especially in, in the health world, would you agree that one of the big issues that people have in, in managing their own health is one, they're not really sure where to look and which plan to follow. And then two, when they do look it up, there is so much stuff. And some of it seems so competing that they just get lost in the plans and advice. Absolutely. I mean, even at the grocery store, carb, fat free. Correct. Because you have because you have health stuff being pitched with 35 grams of sugar in it. Right. But it says healthy on the label. And you're looking at, oh, it says low fat weight loss. And then it has 35 grams of sugar. Well, which one's better? Low fat or low sugar? And they get lost. Right. So with simple and simple structures, simple rules, simple principles, simple goals, simple actions, okay, just simple across the board is it blocks out the noise. And the world is 99% noise, it's 1% message. Simple keeps us focused on the 1% message and value. And you realize once you find simplicity, you realize how much of the stuff out there is just absolutely full of shit. And you realize, oh, 99% of stuff is not trying to aim to my best interest. It's aiming to marketing or sales or whatever. So that's number four. Number five, is simple is easier to align with. 
So when we think about creating a lifestyle, a huge part of the lifestyle is how do I stay aligned with this? Well, at the end of the day, if I've got 12 steps, 15 steps, 30 steps that I need to align with, I mean, even me, I'm a disciplined person. I teach this. My chances of staying aligned with a 15 step process are really low and I'm committed to this stuff. It's really low. But if I have one principle that I commit to, two principles that I commit to, and they are the big ones that make a massive difference, way easier to align with. I have an almost two-year-old daughter. And before she was born, we, we had our son. I, I, I told my wife, we were driving home one night. And I said, I was trying to think, I'm like, I was just thinking to myself, I haven't gone a year without drinking alcohol since I was probably 17 years old. I have a perfectly fine relationship with alcohol beers with my buddies, we play golf, I enjoy bourbon, whatever, don't have an issue. But I was just thinking to myself, like, I've never gone, I was trying to think, like, what's the longest I've gone without having a, a glass of wine, a bourbon, whatever, what's the longest I've gone? I'm like, oh, I've done a month, okay? I'm like, what's, that's about, that's literally about the longest I've gone. I'm like, well, that would be a really interesting experience to go longer. So I told my wife, I said, hey, when you're pregnant, I'm not going to drink. Whenever you get pregnant, I'm not going to drink. And then literally three weeks later, she's like, hey, we're having a kid. And I was like, well, that was a little fast, right? Like, she was like <laughs> I wasn't planning on that happening. And so literally I said, okay, boom. And each day I woke up and I just wrote down on a piece of paper, no alcohol today. And I didn't have a drink for a year. Boom. Immediate. There was no consequence to me if I had a drink, I had a glass of alcohol, but I just, what happened was I didn't say no alcohol except for Saturdays or holidays or my birthday, or if there's a big gathering, or if we're doing something really fun, I made it absolutely simple so that I could stay aligned with it. No alcohol when? Today. I didn't decide, right? I made one decision to say no alcohol for the year, but then I didn't remind myself no alcohol this year each day. I made one decision at the beginning, no alcohol until my daughter's born. And then what I did was I got up each day and I just remade that decision for one 24-hour period. And that was it. It was the only thing I committed myself to. So I never had to sustain anything. All I had to do was, was for that day. And I stayed aligned with it. So that's number five. Number six is simple is easier to change. At the end of the day, we change. Our lifestyle changes. Our environment changes. Our standards, our principles change. Our goals change. And a principle of my health that worked uh, a while ago, as I get older, they change. They shift, right? I used to be really into this. Now I less of that, whatever it happens to be. When I make changes to the way I do things, I want it to be, I want to change something simple, not have to change something complex. I can't go in and fix my car engine because it's more complex than I understand. So I can't do anything to it. But if I was a mechanic, my, my car would be a lot simpler. So once I understand the system, well, then I can adjust it, but that's more complex than I'm, I'm familiar with. Same thing for your own diet, health, exercise. When you keep it simple, not only can you align with it, but then when you need to make an adjustment, not if, when you need to make an adjustment, you can change it faster. And then the last reason, the seventh reason why simple wins and why simple is what we want to build this on is simple is still rare. The dirty little secret in every environment is that nobody does the simple stuff. Hmm. It's what all the people who are raking in money investing are recognizing. They just do the simple things that nobody else really commits to. The people in health, they do the simple things that this. There's a bunch of simple stuff, so many simple things that you could do that don't tax you a ton, that don't like intermittent fasting for me. It's the simplest possible thing. What could be easier than not eating? <laughs> what could be easier than not having to count a calorie, not having to go get a meal, not having to spend money, not having to know what I'm putting up. What's easier than doing nothing? 
<laughs> right? It's so simple. And yet people don't execute on it. So those are seven things that make a huge difference, right? Simple forces you to act, gives you speed, steals your excuses. It blocks out the noise. It's easier to align with. It's easier to change. And it is still one of the rarest things that you to find people doing. Wow. That's amazing. That's good. That's good. I never even thought of all that, but it, you're right. If you keep it simple, the old saying kiss method, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. And again, the big one there, Tom, for me, the big one is this, what's the emotional hurdle. Can it really be that simple? There's a lot of smart people I know who I think they would have figured this out by now. No, because they're asking the same question you are. And then it scared them. And then not underestimating when it's simple, how it forces you to act. And that's scary for people. And so I absolutely, especially in the health side, I absolutely believe in my observation and my direct experience is that the reason people don't do the simple thing is they know it would force them to do the thing that they're afraid of doing. You think about it, take sugar out of your diet. I mean, there's nothing there. There's nothing more validated by science in every, I mean, there is nothing more obvious than take sugar out of your diet. But if you take sugar out of your diet, what do you got to stop eating? Number one, you probably got to throw away for some of you, you got to throw away 80% of what's in your house food wise, 80%. Right. It's super simple. Throw that toxic stuff away. But then you have to say, what? Well, oh, now I got to eat cardboard every day. So what happens is now you're dealing with your own emotions and your own story about this stuff. And you're, you're trying to get away from the simple answer. And then you'll invent something that, so the simple answer, again, it steals our excuses. I don't eat a ton of sugar and I eat like a king. My wife and I laugh. Like we eat like kings and queens. We're like, holy cow. We eat so unfreaking believably well. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing how well we eat, how great everything is. And we're laughing. We're like, man, there are so many people out there who think that to eat really well and blah, 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 and eat clean and all this, that you got to eat. They associate eating clean with eating boring. Right. No. And then what? If I don't eat sugar, this is one of the cool parts, right? If I don't eat sugar, how much flexibility and freedom do I have to actually enjoy some sugary things every now and then? Right. I have a ton. So when I eat a tiramisu, when I have some ice cream, when I eat sugar, I go all in and I have fun with it and I have zero guilt or shame or worry about it because I know like, Hey, in 80, 90% of my life, I'm good to go. So this piece, when I eat it, like I've got the complete freedom. It's like financial freedom. When I know I manage my money with discipline really simply, well, then I can spend and splurge on the thing that I really care about a lot. And I never have to worry about my money that way. So that's just trying to unlock a couple doors for some people in their minds, because that's the gateway to unlocking your action. Right. To your point with that is one of my favorite things to do once a month is get find a chunky monkey on a Sunday night and I'll put on my calendar the Sunday before the month starts. I'll put on my calendar the Sunday that I'm going to get the chunky monkey. I love it. And that Sunday night, I'll go grab the chunky monkey from the grocery store and I'll eat the whole thing. Yeah. Just the, the little pint one, right? Right. Yeah. So what I'll do, I forget what it's called. I will take that and... I will, I'll get one of those and I'll say, all right, I'm going to have one of those this week. And then what I'll do is I'll basically think of it like little black lines on it and I'll kind of have fun while eat and I'll like eat it till it's really even down to a level so that like, all right, I got three more days of this week. I don't map mine out, but like I'll take it and rather than eat the whole thing on one night, I'll be like, I think I want this to last for the week. And I'll kind of like 
eat down through. I'm like, oh, this will be my thing for the week. Great. And I'll just do that. And I'll do that. I don't know, once every couple months or something like that. It's a little fun thing. And it's not something to keep me honest per se, right? I think sometimes people are like, oh, I need the sugar so that I don't go crazy. Like, yeah, that's a mental excuse that people do. But either way, whatever the thing is, when you're making that choice intentionally because 80% of the rest of your life is dialed in, well, then you have fun with your 20%. And so for everybody who's like, who's worried about this, I'm always like, look, when you go get 80% of your life dialed in, the other 20% do whatever you want. When you're doing that other 20%, when you skip a workout, when you eat some sugary food, when you have a Burger King, whatever your thing is, right? When you're in that 20%, that you're going to get back to the 80%, that you always have that 80% and that 20% that you touch on this other stuff is never really going to be that big of a difference. And you keep yourself in a great little homeostasis, right? You keep yourself in this great zone and you never worry about it so much. That was amazing stuff. I mean, it was spot on. And if you keep it simple, and that's something that is very hard to do, but let's take some things that I work with my clients on and plug this in. Let's do it. The first thing on my list is know your why. Hmm. And that's a big one because a lot of stuff, like a buddy of mine just got diagnosed with cancer. And when you walk into the office and a doctor diagnoses you with cancer, it's a biggie. Like your dad, prostate cancer. Yeah. A lot of things go through your mind. And I had this conversation with my friend and I said, do you know what your why is now? Because yeah. I said, okay, let's break this down a little bit. First thing has got to go is sugar. Cancer feeds off sugar to your point. Yep. So if you take the simplest thing, which is sugar and say, I can't have any more sugar and you move forward. So that one we pretty much established. It's easy. Whereas a lot of people's why is lose weight. Here's my go-to with lose weight, right? How much weight do you want to lose? Oh, I want to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to lose whatever it is, right? My go-to is this. Well, your left leg weighs about 50 pounds. Let's just cut it off. (laughs) Okay. There we go. Mission accomplished. What's next? What else do you want? Right. They're like, that's not what I want. No, I literally, I just, you just lost 50 pounds and I got it done today. Did that hit what you want? Well, no. Okay. So you don't want to lose 50 pounds. Oh no. I want to lose 50 pounds the right way. Ah, what's the right way. It's not the weight. It's not the weight. I can get the weight off you. All right. There's a ton of options for the weight off you. It's not the weight. What is it? Oh, I want to be able to like for me. And by the way, you talk about the sugar piece. Like, again, we look at these mental pieces. It's not the weight. It's what the weight does. But people don't want to say, look, I want to feel sexy. I want to feel attractive. I want to be attractive to somebody else, right? I want validation from, and we start figuring out like what's there is something other than just the weight. It's what does that weight do for you? Or what does that look do for you? What does it save you from? I don't want to be ridiculed, right? I don't want to, whatever, again, whatever it is, we need to be self-aware of that. Number two is you talk about, okay, you like sugar, like with your buddy and your friend. And, and there's a lot of people who are sugars for everyone in terms of, we all have to, to right. keep sugar out at a minimum, et cetera. Here's what I would say about that. Explore this within yourself, listeners. Do you equate taking sugar out of your life with not having fun anymore? Do you equate, oh, sugar is fun, is the fun. And if I don't have sugar, life isn't enjoyable. And here's what I would say, right? Little tough love, little loving tough. If your key to having fun in life is sugar, your worldview is broken. 
if you can't be a fun, good, enjoyable, find happiness and gratitude, if you can't find it without sugar, your relationship, your entire relationship with food and the world is wrong. Like that's just until you fix that, until you explore that within yourself, that means that your relationships with people are going to be the same way. We can't have a good relationship unless you act the way I want you to act. I can't be happy unless somebody else is happy. There's no way that's not connected to other areas of your life. So look, sugar is some external substance. Look, does sugar taste good? No doubt. But my life is not built on what tastes good for the love of God. Hmm. It's not built on what tastes good. (laughs) That is a shallow, fragile, like if you're moving the box, like whatever the fragile symbol is, right? Like get that tattooed on your neck until you change and you start getting a different view of my happiness doesn't come from sugar and the stuff I eat. Okay. Then let's build back up from where our happiness comes from, how we create it, what we get. And then let's build a better relationship with food. So that like we're talking about, we can enjoy some sugar without saying, this is my source of happiness. Cause it's not your source of happiness. It's not your source of enjoyment in life. The problem is you think it's your source of enjoyment in life. And you need to find better sources of enjoyment and how to access them so that we have way less emotional attachment to our food. And then we go forward from there. Does that make, is that a fair take? Perfect sense. Oh yeah. Cause I see this happen a lot. Like absolutely. There's people who've said like, take sugar out. And some will say, well, I'm, I'm not going to give up everything I enjoy in life just to lose some weight. And I'm like, well, since when did we say give up everything you enjoy in life? It's just sugar, <laughs> right? There's 8 billion other things that you can enjoy that won't kill you right? or make you exposed to health risks or overweight so that you're insecure. And it's like, look, do you want to be secure and confident or do you want sugar? This is the simplicity I look at. Do I want to be secure and confident or do I want sugar? Right. Okay. I'll sacrifice my security. I'll sacrifice my confidence. I'll sacrifice my self-esteem for good tasting food. It's a ridiculous conversation. (laughs) Simplify it and put that choice in front of you. If you choose the food and the sugar side, then emotionally come to grips with what you're going to do to your life and accept it. Don't complain about it and love yourself. Like if you want to be right, a little overweight, right? This is the thing. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you feel like other than that you feel the way that you want to feel. I'm not the one who has to do this. This is you. So for somebody who wants to enjoy food and eat sugar or live whatever way, that's absolutely fine. Don't complain. Don't be sad. Don't be depressed. Don't be, don't try to make everybody else. You need to accept me as no, no, this is your job, right? Just acknowledge that doing that stuff has consequences. Wow. That's right. E plus R equals O, right? If I want that response, there's an outcome that comes from that. So acknowledge that. (laughs) That's brilliant. I wish I had a bell. <laughs> Ring the boom. <laughs> or like an air like an air horn. You talk about the why. Everybody's why is a little bit different. And it's easy to kind of get lost in the motivational side of the why and stuff that drifts far away. I'm a huge fan of making the why super practical. I remember a client I worked with. He was a power line worker and he was a supervisor for power line workers and a smoker for a long time. Awesome guy. Smoker for a long time. And He'd kind of talked about toyed with quitting. People had said that da, 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 da. and his five-year-old granddaughter, he lit up a cigarette. His five-year-old granddaughter looked and she said, 
in this like really innocent way. I really hope that you're at my wedding one day, but I don't think you're going to be. And he's like, I put the cigarette out and I never picked up another one. Whoa. Because what he got was this really specific practical image of his granddaughter who he loved massively walking down the aisle and he wasn't alive to see it. And then he pictured her crying and he pictured where would I be? And, and then he pictured how much he wants to be there and be part of that. And then he made an association. He made the connection between the cigarette he was smoking now and this really viscerally visual, emotional, and I'm sure in a bunch of ways, physical, right? Sometimes you can, you know how it is, you can think of something and you feel right. physically, right? You get that tension in your chest. You, know, you hear a song, right? That moves you to tears. It reminds you of something or whatever. And like all the song is playing and you can kind of feel that emotion building up and where you literally feel it like physically in your chest, you know, and you feel your eyes kind of start to get tight and you have this physical feeling. And that's how we know that there's like a strong why. Right. And the why can be super practical. It doesn't have to be an idea. For me, for example, one of my big whys is I want to be a difficult person to kill. <laughs> okay. It's a huge yeah. why for me. Because here's the thing, right? The last thing I ever want is to be in a situation where there's something physical that has to happen and I am incapable. I have no idea if I'm ever going to be in that situation. And dear God, I hope I'm not. But here's what I'm saying. If something like that happens, I'm going to be as ready as I possibly can. I don't want to get my ass kicked. I don't want to be in a situation where I've got to run away and I can't get off the ground. I don't want to be in a situation later in life where I have to get in and out of a bathtub and I can barely do it. No, I don't want to do that. Right. I want to be 70, you know, who knows if I, how old I'm going to get, right? But I, I want to be 75 and squatting twice my body weight. That's what I want to be. Because if my hips and legs and ankles work, I can still go see the world. I can be 75 and stomping around, right? right? I don't want to be 75 and barely able to move. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to be that person. In the meantime, I want to be a hard person to kill. Number two is I don't ever want to be in a certain spot where if my kids want to do something, I can be right there with them doing that thing with my kids. And I got two young kids. I want to be able to right there doing that with them at any point at any time. Right. And so part of my taking care of my body, I just wrote down a note here the other day. So for me, again, my wife wants to live to a hundred. I could give a shit. <laughs> I do not care. Right. I don't care about how old I am. Right? right. So here's the thing. I'm not trying to be here for a long time. I'm trying to have an amazing time while I'm here. That's perfect. I'm not about the length of my life. I'm about the quality of my life. Right. And sugar doesn't give me quality of life. No. Being able to go walk the great wall of China, that is quality of life. Being able to go like a whole day and like sweat and go to these like remote places and climb a mountain, do a bunch of really awesome stuff. That for me, that's quality of life. So right. being able to take my kids and go whitewater rafting with them and do like an aggressive version of it, that's quality of life for me. Right. You don't have to have that but that's mine. So part of my taking care of my body is not so I can stay here for a really long time. It's so that I can go do amazing things while I'm here. And then so that if there's ever any kind of physical situation, whether it's just something for fun, something for enjoyment, something for a thrill, or if it's a, a, a dangerous life-saving me versus somebody else or whatever, some kind of something like that. Like I don't want to be the weak person who gets targeted. I don't ever want to be that. So I'm going to take care of myself that way. And then if I'm fortunate enough to be in a deeper and old age, I want to be a person with utility. I don't want to be fragile when I'm older, more so than I have to be because we, as we get old, right? So for me, those are my whys. And then mixed into that is I love to have a good time. I love to have a good time. 
and I do it like crazy. And so we're tonight, we're going over, we're going to our neighbors. We're going to have some cocktails. They got a little game and we're going to have some cocktails and, and we're going to have a blast tonight. Right. right. But I'm probably going to crush chicken or steak and veggies with my wife beforehand. And so right. like, it's just, we pick those things and we start making those choices. And right. E plus R equals O really helps me. I do want to give this to people about discipline because most of us, most of you were taught the wrong thing about discipline growing up. You were taught that discipline was one of three things, punishment, compliance, or obedience. It was discipline was either you were getting punished, you were being disciplined, or you were taught discipline as doing what the rules say or doing what authority told you to do. A parent, a teacher, a coach, discipline was doing what you're supposed to do. And when it comes to health, there is no supposed to. When it comes to how you live your life, there is no supposed to. Hmm. What discipline is, the actual word discipline comes from the Latin word. And what the Latin word for discipline is, the true actual meaning of discipline is not punishment or compliance or obedience. Those words do fine on their own. Discipline is something different entirely because all of those are external sources. Discipline is studying and training yourself to meet a standard. That's what discipline is. And when we think of personal discipline, okay? Okay. You can't supply me with discipline. You can supply me with leadership. You can supply me with encouragement. You can supply me with compliance. You can supply me with punishment. You can supply me with instructions to be obedient with, but you cannot supply me with discipline because discipline is about my choice. Discipline is about my purpose. Discipline is about my standard. And that's what discipline is. Your choices, your purpose behind them, and the standards that you aim for. Okay. When you are making active intentional choices aimed at specific purpose objectives, and you are choosing the standard at which you do those things, you are in discipline. That's what discipline is. Now we look and see how the source of this stuff is not on the outside. It's not what I'm supposed to do. It's not what my doctor told me to do. It's not what my spouse said to do. It's frankly not what Tom or BK says to do. <laughs> it's what you choose to do. Now, all of a sudden, discipline is within. And the great part about discipline is not a possession. It's an action. Discipline is not something you have. It's something you do. When you do a disciplined thing, you are a disciplined person. Right. It's not like I have discipline because if I don't act from discipline, then I'm not having it. It's not a possession. It's a state that I'm in. And so if you want to be disciplined, be. Make a choice, aim it at a purpose and an objective, decide your standard and go, do. If you do that once for a five-minute window, you are disciplined in those five minutes. If you find yourself lacking discipline for the next five minutes, 20 minutes, day, it's easy to step back into discipline, both easy and simple. Make an intentional choice. Aim at a purposeful objective. Add a standard of your choosing. Bam, you're back into discipline again. Hmm. Now, all of a sudden, it's not a light switch. I have it, I don't, and it's off. It's something that I can actively step my way into in any moment I want. It's way more elastic and flexible than most of us have learned discipline to be, which is the rigid, like really hardcore way. No. That's not discipline, right? That's following rules. That's following a strategy, following a process, which is fine.
but I want to teach people the lasting, the enduring form of discipline, which is way more flexible and elastic than most people have learned. And it's not according to somebody else's standards. It's according to the standards that you choose. Wow. Where's my bell? <laughs> You're right. You're right. And, and listen, everything else that you hear about discipline is either somebody trying to sell you something or somebody trying to be an authority over you. Right. Which look, if you want to give somebody authority and there's a lot of people, I don't hire personal trainers because that is just not my thing. Like I like going in and doing it myself, but a lot of people will hire a personal trainer or a nutritionist, whatever, because they want someone to tell them what to do. And that's great. That's awesome. But you can't outsource your discipline. You can outsource your plan. You can outsource your strategy. You cannot outsource your discipline. So nutritionist, all that different stuff, personal trainer, cool, great, awesome. You belong to an orange theory or you go to CrossFit. I get it. Like you've done CrossFit. Like it is kind of nice sometimes showing up to a gym, knowing you don't have to build your own programming for the workout. You show up, it's on the board and you just go do that. that, That's cool. Right. But you can't outsource the discipline to make that decision and go work hard on it and keep showing up. Right. That's something that only you can do. So outsource your strategy. If you want to outsource your programming, if you want to outsource maybe some of your meal planning, if that is something you're like, look, I just don't want to mess with that. That's cool. You cannot outsource your discipline. Discipline must come from within because that's the only place it can come from. And that's one like one thing that I've learned in this E plus R equals O yeah. is like with my meal planning, I have a hard time coming up with good meals. Okay. So what I've did is I do blue apron. Hmm. So every Friday I get a box dropped off yep. with four meals in it and with the recipes and they're all amazing. And they all fit my diet plan. Yep. So there you go. I just made it easy. That's what I do. Love it. If you're a single person or a house of two, yeah. it's like 88 bucks a week. Yeah. And it gives you four meals that are pre-planned with recipes. Mm-hmm. Boom. You don't have to think. It's at your door. You don't have to go anywhere. And it's less, I mean, because if you're cooking for two people, you have to invest that money you're going to spend more money cooking for two people than $80, $90. Yeah, probably. Right. And I'm a little bit on the opposite end in terms of same exact page from a principal perspective, but maybe opposite ends in terms of my preferences and, and what is easy for me. So I don't have a problem coming up with meals, but I also, I don't need a ton of variety. Right. I think I need less variety than probably what I would say the average person. I think maybe some people, I don't know, maybe 70% of people, if they like lived with me and ate what I ate, might be like, oh, I want something more and different. And I just decided a long time ago, like variety just wasn't that important to me. I wanted to find a few handful of things. So I bet you like when I'm home here, I never ate spinach in my life. And now I probably eat more spinach than any human being ever. I just, I ate a couple of spinach salads. I'm like, oh, that was pretty good. And so now I make like the best salads in the world. Most days if I'm home, I make one of two things. I make a spinach salad with olive oil and whatever, balsamic or red wine vinaigrette. Right. And then I put a bunch of stuff I love on it. I put Kalamata olives. I put chicken. I put banana peppers. I put cheese. I put da, 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 and I put it on there and I have this delicious like antipasta chicken salad or I eat three eggs with cheese, avocados, maybe some kind of a meat if I want. And that's my lunch most days, six, seven days a week, most days, if I'm 30. And then what? I don't know, four or five times a month, I have a sandwich. (laughs) Like, because now all of a sudden those four or five sandwiches don't mean much because I'm like the rest of my food. And then at dinner, my wife and I, it's just really simple. We eat one protein piece and one veggie piece. And we got veggies that we love. We make them really cool. And when we eat again, Parmesan cheese probably isn't the best thing for somebody. 
but when 95% of the rest of the meal is, is good and it doesn't have sugar or carbs in it, right. well, then the little Parmesan cheese is just that little fun thing that we do that put on there that doesn't make that big a difference. And so we make a steak with these awesome, delicious grilled veggies six nights a week. And it's like, like we look and we're like, holy cow, this is like, like we don't go to steakhouses because the steaks we make at home are so damn good. Oh yeah. Right. I'm like, I don't exactly. have to go to a steakhouse now because I, the stuff we have is amazing. Right. So same kind of thing. Like I, I look, and I think that's a really big thing for people is man, when you learn how to make six to eight delicious, amazing meals that fit what you want, like for most people, you can rotate through those with little variations, like small, minor variations that keep it novel enough for you. If that's really important. Right. And you don't really need to add more stuff. And then when you do want to have something unique, you just drop in that one kind of unique meal once a week, whatever it happens to be. And you go forward. Here's kind of my last, what I'll say my last comment for the audience for the episodes is this has been a blast. Get rid of the word sacrifice in your mind and replace it with the word exchange. A lot of people talk about, oh, I got to sacrifice so much. And here's the thing, Tom, if you sacrifice something, what's your return? Like just the word sacrifice, like inherent in the word sacrifice is what? Like give up. You just, you give something up. Stop. Right. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about this stuff. We're talking about exchanging. No. If I sacrifice something, I give it up and I get nothing. If I exchange, like for example, I don't sacrifice my money for my car every month. I exchange it. You get the money. I get this car. I would never sacrifice my money. It's ridiculous. It's like lighting it on fire. I'm not sacrificing something. I'm exchanging. And I know what that exchange is. If that exchange isn't worth it for me, okay. I make a, I figure out what exchange is worth it for me. But sacrifice doesn't work for most people because it just it, it triggers all the wrong feelings, associations, emotions. It's a negative. It's an exchange. So here's the thing. I'm going to exchange one hour of a TV show for one hour of a workout. Why? Because the TV show doesn't mean much to me. The workout could mean everything to me. Exchange. I still get hours and hours of TV every week. Again, I'm putting myself in sort of into your mindset. Into, into your, you still get hours of TV a week. I'm just going to exchange one hour of a TV show for one hour of a workout. That's a good exchange. I'm going to exchange one meal for potentially losing three or four pounds. If I keep that meal going and I exchange a little bit of this for a little bit of that, what am I giving back to get something in return? So think exchange, not sacrifice. Anytime you're finding yourself in that emotional place where you're like, Oh, should I do this? Should I not right. think exchange? not sacrifice. Would I exchange a 48 hour period of fasting, which I would encourage everybody to try go 48 hours without eating anything, just drink water, coffee. If you like it black, go 48 hours without eating and realize you're fine. Mm -hmm. Realize you don't die. If you don't eat for 48 hours, realize you don't wither into this raisin after 40, realize you can go 48 hours and be absolutely fine you will experience nothing of major consequence if you don't eat for 48 hours. And then just say, look, all right, I'm going to exchange these 48 hours in, in exchange for what? I'm not going to eat for 48 hours in exchange for what I might learn about my body's need for food and my relationship with it. And also how my triggers to eat or drink are way more environmentally driven by where I am than my actual need for it.
Right. Just exchange it. So just this little mental frame, replace the word sacrifice with the word exchange, think and view exchange rather than sacrifice. And then start saying, all right, would I exchange a half hour of sitting on a couch for a half hour of 10 push-ups on the minute, 10 sit-ups on the minute, just trade 30 minutes. You still get to watch your show. I'm just going to trade 30 minutes to do this. And if I can just do that one time a day, just once or every other day, after one, two, three years, you're a completely different person. So exchange, not sacrifice. All right. Where can people find BK at? So social media at T Brian Kite. Last name is K-I-G-H-T. And if you're interested in a little note to get your day started, I started writing a, a daily discipline email four years ago with zero subscribers. We're now, I don't know, like a 30... 32, 33,000, somewhere in there, daily readers. And that's at dailydiscipline.com. There are small, short notes about the length of your phone, taking maybe 60 seconds, 45 seconds to read most days. It was my way of, you know, have a conversation with somebody or I do a keynote or, you know, one of these and somebody say, well, how do I keep this alive? This makes so much sense. Like, but this was just one podcast or one keynote or one workshop. How do I keep it alive? And it's kind of like anything else. They didn't like my answer when I said, I don't know, you wake up tomorrow and you do it. <laughs> and they didn't like that. So I said, okay, well, I'll help. I will send you a note every morning, Monday through Friday, to keep it alive with you. And it'll be free always. So you can get it there. And we're actually just in the process of sending our publishing deal for, uh, for the Daily Discipline book, which will be coming out at the end of 21 or the first month of 2022 called Daily Discipline, which is going to be super fun. And then on the business side for teams, where I help teams implement this stuff, is at my website, tbryankite.com. You're currently working with the Carolina Panthers. So the head coach there, uh, Matt Rule. So I work with some NFL teams. I work with college football teams, work with major league baseball teams. I work with sports teams, entrepreneurs, businesses all over the place. And then the Panthers coach, Matt Rule, and I have, I live in here in Charlotte. And so we've you know, talked some shop about discipline, leadership, how we implement those things. He's read the, the daily discipline now for a few years. So just trying to find ways to help teams. Cause look, everybody is trying to apply these principles on their own journeys, on their own issues. And some people are really awesome on the health side, but man, they're really broken on the war on the marriage side or on the whatever. And so some people they're, they're trying to apply this, um, in a different area than where you're trying to apply it. My job is to teach the skills mm -hmm. and then help people apply it in the meaningful areas of their lives. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's out for, for performance uh, on a football field. Now, somebody like myself who runs their own business, is there some courses that you have available? Yeah. So I do have courses for business, for personal, et cetera. That's at training.tbriankite.com. Okay. Um, and obviously all my social channels, YouTube channel, all of that, like there's a ton of free content for business people, leaders, individuals. And then from a more depth perspective, got online training courses. I host in-person courses as well. And then obviously I go out and speak and advise and help businesses install these we're talking about the personal side today, but on the business side, that's sort of the other half of my business is okay. implementing leadership and team culture systems. All right. One question that has nothing to do with the topic today. Okay. If BK had 30 to 45 minutes to kill or just chill out, what album or artist would you put on to listen to? Great timing. I did this last night. I asked the question, what was the best decade of country music? And resoundingly, the answer was the 90s. And I agree. Right. And so last night, I put on Diamond Rio. Oh, well, nice. I put on Diamond Rio and, and we played it. My wife doesn't know a ton of Diamond Rio, but I grew up on them and it was awesome. So I, I did that last night with Diamond Rio. 
if I was doing that today right now and I was making that from scratch, like the actual answer, man, I've been doing it with Tim McGraw recently. I could do Jason Isbell. I could do the killers easily. Garth Brooks. <laughs> I got that wild. I could do Drake. I got a, I got a big eclectic mix, but it, it all depends on what it is I want to do. If I want to chill, right. uh, it's going to be one. If I want to, if I want to go get after it or have some good vibes, I'm going to do something else. I mean, shoot, I could put on NSYNC, right? I couldn't do Backstreet Boys, but I could do a Justin Timberlake and, and go get right. after it. I know my wife would pick Justin Timberlake for sure. If she was yeah. needed 30 minutes, it's JT. I think if JT walked through our neighborhood, I think I might find myself a, a single dad. You know what I mean? I'll go with the killers for my final answers. I'll go with the killers. Yeah. Okay. The killers. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate you. Yeah. Really enjoy this. I'm glad we figured this out and I'm glad you came on. Yeah. Same here. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.